You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hello and welcome to the second ever episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. Now you may already notice, Ian, geez, you sound a little bit depressed. Did a relative die? Did you find out that you have a terminal illness? Are you depressed because college football season is probably going to get cancelled? Did you get rejected by a pretty girl on Tinder? The answer to all of those would be no. Um, The Maple Leafs have broken my heart once again. For the 27th year in a row. The Maple Leafs have ripped the heart out of my chest. They were down 3-0 in Game 4. They could have just laid over and died and made it a little bit more painless. But no, they had to make the greatest comeback in NHL history, force a Game 5, and then not score a single goal in the winner-takes-all game against the goddamn Columbus fucking Blue Jackets. I'm not going to rant and rave about this all podcast. Once the podcast actually gets going, I pick it up a little bit. But I'm not in a great mood. The the, the Maple Leafs have let me down again. But we're going to move through that. Of course, we're coming off the PGA Championship. I had a pretty solid week in bets uh, with my pre-tournament outright picks. And then my round-by-round picks, I finished a, a total of up a little over 11 units. Uh, we were very close to hitting a couple of rights there. Uh, if you tailed my bets from the podcast last week, we were very close. Dustin Johnson was the leader going into the final round. He choked on on Sunday. Uh, him coming in second place at a major is classic Dustin Johnson. I guess he didn't come second. I guess it would have been third because I think Case, uh, Paul Casey finished second. Or did no, Dustin Johnson tied him for second. That's right, so he did finish second. Uh, we had another shot with Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, he was also in the hunt there on Sunday. Didn't come through for us. Uh, Colin Morikawa did. He won the 2020 PGA Championship. Congratulations to Colin Morikawa. 
I didn't think he was going to do well this weekend, to be honest. I didn't think his uh, style of play fit the course well. But I did kind of nail a couple things. DJ putt very well, at least the first three rounds, uh, which I kind of called happening. Uh, the long hitters were very successful at the course. Uh, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Tony Finau, Matthew Wolf, top 20 pick at plus 375. That cashed for us. Uh, so, and we still hit top 10 with DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson. Uh, Webb Simpson did not uh, finish top 10. So that was the one loser from the outrights. Um, but yeah, we had a pretty good weekend at the PGA Championship. Uh, on this episode of the Bacon Bets podcast, though, though let's fast forward to the present. Let's get into uh, let's get into what we're going to talk about. Big event uh, in the week of sports. So this one's going to be this episode's going to be a little bit longer than a normal one. It's going to be a little bit over an hour, probably about an hour and ten minutes. But we're going to get into UFC 252. Then we're going to get into the PGA Tour tournament for this weekend, the Wyndham Championship. Then I'm going to give my picks for the first round of the NHL playoffs. It doesn't include the Leafs because they stunk, stink and they break my heart every single year. Um, and then I am going to give three best bets for Tuesday, August 11th. Uh, so for any of those, any of you people who want picks right away, I will give three best bets for Tuesday. I assume the large majority of people listening to this podcast will be listening to this on Tuesday. So if you are, I have a couple bets for what will be tonight's games. So a lot to get into. I don't want to waste any more time. Thank you for downloading. Thank you to everyone who listened to the first episode, who sent me a DM saying uh, that they enjoyed it. Thank you for subscribing. Spread the word. Tell your barber about this. I know I probably need to find a new one. Not going to let my mom cut my hair again. Uh, Tell your local meat packer about this podcast. Uh, When you're going through the drive-thru at your local McDonald's, let them know about the Bacon Bets podcast. Um, let your grocer, when they're begging your groceries, hey, why don't you subscribe to the Bacon Bets podcast? Let them know. Uh, who else do you, do you want to tell? Tell your neighbor, especially if you live in an apartment that's filled of filled with crackheads like the apartment I live in. I hope none of them overheard me say that through the walls. Uh, let them know. They might uh, want to play some bets, win some crack money, you know? Let them know about the Bacon Bets podcast. But without further ado, I won't delay anymore. Let's get into the August 11th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. More bacon than the pan can handle. 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 Utility man. All right, let's get into the betting portion of the podcast. We're going to start with a big event for the upcoming weekend, UFC, two, UFC 252. Obviously headlined by arguably the biggest fight in UFC heavyweight championship history. Uh, trying to think of a bigger UFC heavyweight fight. Maybe Frank Mir, Brock Lesnar... Brock Lesnar, Shane Carwin, maybe. It's got to be right up there, though, as one of the biggest heavyweight fights of all time, the trilogy between Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier. What I'm going to do here for this card, I'm going to get into it a little bit more since it's a big card. I'm going to talk about, there's two prelim fights that I find are interesting. I'm going to touch on those, and then I'm just going to go through the entire main card, uh, which is five different fights, and give my thoughts for each of those five fights. Um, yeah, so so let's get right into it. Uh, on the prelims, two fights that stick out to me. The first one is Herbert Burns versus Daniel Pineda. 
Uh, Herbert Burns, minus 260 favorite. Daniel Pineda, plus 200. If you haven't heard of Daniel Pineda, I don't blame you because this is his first UFC fight, actually. Uh, so he's coming off five straight first-round finishes. Three of those five came in the first minute of the first round. Uh, he fought for PFL his last couple fights, but his last two fights that were actually wins uh, turned into no contest due to failed drug tests. So is he going to be roided up for this fight as well? Uh, who knows? I wish I knew. Maybe that would give us a little bit of an edge. But he's going up against Herbert Burns, brother of Gilbert Burns, who's obviously going to be a title contender uh, at welterweight. Uh, Herbert Burns is also coming off five straight finishes. Uh, four of the four of the five came within the first round. Uh, so for this fight, I think it's a little bit interesting because there's a couple uncertainties. Well, first, I, I mean, I just think it's going to be interesting because I think it's going to be a great underrated fight. But a couple of uncertainties that kind of make me hesitate a little bit when betting on it. So first one's octagon jitters. We've seen time and time again that octagon jitters are a real factor in UFC new newcomers. Uh, that's the case for Daniel Panetta. Uh, and also, we don't really know uh, the level of competition for Daniel Panetta. Looking at his record, out of the recent guys who he, in all fairness to him, he obliterated. Uh, the only name I recognized was Jeremy Kennedy. Uh, he's like a Canadian uh, wrestler who's actually a pretty solid wrestler. I, I don't know if he's UFC caliber, though. Uh, Burns obviously has a lot uh, of a more impressive resume with the names that he beat. Uh, obviously finishing Evan Dunham in his most recent fight. So the big question is, is Herbert Burns worth the minus 260 price? I think yes. I think this is I think this is a play if you want to take Herbert Burns, if you want to pair him with another big favorite later in the fight, uh, put one unit on the two favorites, and it'll probably come out to around a little bit even money. I'll touch on some guys here in a little bit who I think could be paired well with Herbert Burns. Um, is this a bet that you want to bet the house on at a minus 260 favorite? I don't think so because we just don't 100% know what we're going to get from Daniel Panetta. Uh, another interesting bet uh, I'm recording this on Monday night, obviously, so a lot of prop bets aren't available, like over-under, a certain amount of rounds, will the fight get finished in the first round, all that stuff usually comes up later in the week. Uh, but another interesting prop that you might want to look at will be under two rounds, under one and a half rounds, depending on really what that price ends up being. I probably assume it's under one and a half rounds is probably going to be, it might even be minus money, to be honest, just because... I mean, look at the first round finishes that both these fighters are coming with. So that might be a play. If you can get under one and a half rounds, if that ends up being even money or plus money, uh, I wouldn't mind uh, jumping on that as well. Uh, so that's the first fight. The other fight that I'm looking at in the prelims is my boy, Jim Miller. I love Jim Miller. He's one of my favorite UFC fighters of all time. Obviously, he's if he doesn't have the record for the most fights in the UFC, he's right up there. I think he has the record for the most submission wins. He's in a pick em against Vince Pichel, and I got to back my boy Jim Miller here, minus 110. I'll get into why I like Jim Miller in this fight here in a second. Uh, but first, I mean, I'll get into the question mark of the fight, and that's just how long it's been since we've seen Vince Pichel fight. Last time he was in the octagon was June of 2019, so it's been over a year. His last fight was actually also against Roosevelt Roberts in a win, so both him and Jim Miller have the same common opponent in their last fight. Uh, but, I mean, generally, I think this is a big reason why I find UFC, betting on UFC to be so difficult. I mean, in team sports, we see teams play multiple times a week, at the very least once a week. And the UFC will see guys, you know, three times a year, four times a year at most. And then sometimes we'll see guys take months off. We'll take guys take over a year off, in this case, with Vince Bichelle. So I'd, I'm not in his training camp. I don't train with Vince Bichelle. So who knows what he's been doing for these past few months past year who knows how what his training camp has been like 
I mean, a year is a long time. Have his skills improved? Has he been working on certain aspects of his game? Does he have different coaches? Or is his game plan going to be a little bit different? There's a lot of question marks that you don't know and you can't know unless unless you personally train with him about guys who take an extended period of time off uh, in between fights. Um, but I am going to take Jim Miller. Uh, a couple of the reasons why. Number one, Jim Miller, I mean, I, I touched on how many fights he's had in the UFC. And what comes with that is experience. He has a ton of experience, 46 professional fights for Jim Miller, only 14 for Vince Bichelle. Now you would think that means Jim Miller might be old, but you might be surprised to actually know that Vince Bichelle is actually a year older than Jim Miller. So age is not going to play a factor here. If anything, it's going to be in Jim Miller's favor. Uh, obviously, his submission victories uh, better than ever. I think he can get the submission here. And like I mentioned, they both had the same common opponent in their last fight. Jim Miller won by first round submission against Roosevelt Roberts. Uh, Vince Pichel won, but he won by decision. He did not get the finish. So there's just too many signs there. Also, Jim Miller might be a little bit more used to fighting. Uh, he just fought back in June. Vince Pichel, as I mentioned, has been over a year now since he last fought. Uh, so I like the value there. Jim Miller as a pick'em, minus 110 over Vince Bichelle. I believe that is the prelim main event. So those are the two prelim fights that I find that are the most intriguing and uh, are the two that I kind of have a take on. Let's get into the UFC 252 main card action. So I'm just going to go through order here. We're going to start with what I believe is the first fight on the main card, Magomed Ankalaev, minus 305 against Ion Kutilaba, plus 235. Uh, by the way, if you guys don't know, I'm terrible at pronouncing names, so I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce these Eastern European names. Don't get mad at me. Uh, but yeah, this fight, if you don't remember or don't know, this is actually a rematch of a fight that took place back in February. Uh, Ankalaev got the first round knockout, but a lot of people, including Kutalaba and actually including me as well, thought it was an extremely early stoppage by the ref. Uh, he got rocked by a couple of head kicks, by a couple of punches. The ref uh, came in while Kutalaba was still throwing punches, which is obviously pretty strange. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, if we're being honest, go back and watch that fight. That fight wasn't going to last much longer. It was probably going to last another 30 seconds at most. So while, yes, it probably was an early stoppage, I don't see, uh, I can't see any other result happening in that fight other than a Ankalaev first round knockout. So uh, for that reason and for the reason of my long-term strategy uh, that I've proven uh, in an article that I wrote probably a year and a half ago, I haven't updated it in forever, uh, but I proved that a long-term profitable betting strategy is to bet the fighter who won the first fight uh, when they have a rematch. Uh, it obviously doesn't work out all the time, especially in recent cases. It, that actually hasn't been the case. Uh, one that pops to my mind right off the bat is Rose Namajunas against Jessica Andrade. I backed Jessica Andrade in the rematch because she won the first fight. She lost the second fight. It uh, doesn't work out in every single case, obviously, but I proved over the long term, because I look back in the entire history of the UFC, it's actually quite profitable to take a fighter uh, that won the first fight. So that's what I got. Malgomed Ankalaev, and I, this is actually a guy, minus 305, that I think you can back with Herbert Burns uh, in a parlay. Two-fight parlay, like both those fights together. I don't think that would be even money. It might be a little bit less than even money, uh, but I like that as a little two-fight parlay. Uh, moving on to the next fight in the Bantamweight division, we got John Dodson. Plus 155 against Marab Valishvili. Once again, terrible at pronouncing names. I think I actually nailed that one, though. I think the D is silent. Valishvili. Fantastic name. I actually like uh, John Dodson as an underdog in this spot. Uh, I think recent record bias is giving us some extra value on Dodson. He's 2-3 and three over his last five fights, but he's been fighting the who's who of the Bantamweight division. His losses came to the current champ, Petrion. Uh, Jimmy Rivera, and then a split decision loss to Marlon Mirage. 
Uh, his two wins came against Nathaniel Wood, which was his most recent win as a knockout win, beautiful win in the knockout third round against Nathaniel Wood, and he also beat Pedro Munez. Munoz in that stretch. Now the story of this fight is going to be the wrestling. So if Valishvili wins this fight, it's going to be him taking John Dodson down. In his last four fights, he has 13 takedowns, 12 takedowns, 5 takedowns, then 5 takedowns. So there's no secret what he's going to do. He's going to try to take Dodson down. The question is going to be whether or not Dodson can defend the takedowns, and if he does get taken down, he's going to be able to pop up. Now, I think he's going to be able to. First of all, I think he's just quick enough that he's going to be able to. And also, Dodson has pretty good take uh, takedown defense throughout his UFC career. 80% takedown defense, which is pretty solid. Uh, back in his most recent title fight against Demetrius Johnson, he was taken down a few times. But Demetrius Johnson is kind of a different animal. That was a little while ago, too. So I don't know how much value we can put into that. Um, it is also a little bit tricky because, I mean, most guys who fight Dodson don't really try to take him down or, or try to wrestle him too much. So... I uh, could be wrong in this. Valashvili could take him down and kind of hold him there, but I don't think he can, especially at, given the odds of where they're at. I think John Dodson has has uh, some value there at plus 155. So that's going to be uh, taking him as an underdog there. That's going to be my first underdog pick here in the main card of UFC 252. Sorry, just took a sip of water there. All right, let's move on. Heavyweight scrap up next. Uh, the first... Heavyweight scrap before the main event, of course. This is Junior Junior Dos Santos plus 125 against Yarzino Rosenstruck minus 155. So this one's a tough call in my opinion. JDS coming off two knockout losses, one to Ngannou, the other to Blades. Rosenstruck's also coming off a KO loss uh, to also Ngannou. Funny enough. Now, if I were to pick a side, I think I would go JDS as an underdog here. I think Rosenstruck has more power, but JDS, in my opinion, is truly one of the best true boxers in the heavyweight division. He has great footwork, great counter punches. If he fights a a good fight and doesn't get overly aggressive, he can beat pretty much anyone in the heavyweight division. Um, So I think I would lean Junior Dos Santos in that fight. But what I actually think might be the sneaky bet to to make on this is to actually go over one and a half rounds, or if you're getting really... Uh, adventurous, really aggressive, take the fight to go the distance. Now, like I said, once again, I'm recording this Monday night, so I don't have the odds of what they're going to be, but just judging by the recent records of these two fighters, you're going to get plus money for over one and a half rounds. I think that's a pretty good bet. The reason being, like I said, JDS coming off two KO losses, Rosenstruck's coming off a KO loss. Both these guys desperately need to get back in the win column for this, and because of that, I think you could see them fight a little bit more cautiously. You see this in the heavyweight division. As, uh, you see guys who come off bad knockouts in their next fight uh, try to be a little bit more cautious. I believe even Francis Ngannou, that snooze fest against Derek Lewis, I believe that was right after Francis Ngannou lost to Stipe for the heavyweight strap. I believe so, right? So yeah, these heavyweights, after they lose, especially if they lose by knockout, they get cautious. They don't necessarily get as aggressive. As aggressive. They don't go for the kill shot as often. So despite the recent records, I think that over one and a half round bet could be a sneaky little plus money play in this fight. So I don't know what the odds are as of right now, but I think that's what I'm actually going to go in this fight between Junior Junior Dos Santos and Yazin Yarzinho Rosenstruck. Boys, I need to work on my pronunciation. All right, let's move on to the co-main event of the evening sugar sean o'malley uh this is scott hastings favorite fighter in the world i think he would date sugar sean o'malley if he could uh he's minus 335 big favorite against merlin vera plus 255 so everyone knows sean o'malley by now exciting guy to watch fun guy gets knockouts but in my opinion 
He's a tough guy to bet on. The reason being is that he's destroying everyone in the UFC, so the UFC has no choice but to give him a significant step up in competition in every fight he has. Marlon Vera's no joke. He's a big step up from Eddie Wineland as far as opponents go. But then the odds makers, they have to set him as a big favorite because he's crushing everyone. So it's hard to handicap because you just don't really know if the price is justified since it's, I mean, it, it, is it justified because he's crushing everyone or is it such a step up in competition that there's, that there's value on the underdog? At some point, you got to think Sean O'Malley is going to face someone his skill level and it's going to be a close fight. Is it going to be this one or is he going to crush Marlon Vera, take another step up in competition, and maybe it's the next guy who's going to give Sean O'Malley a run for his money? It's it's extremely hard to tell. Uh, I, I, I personally think he does get by Vera. I don't think this is where the Sugar Sean O'Malley hype train gets derailed. I can't bet on him at that price. I can't even put him in a parlay personally at minus 335. Um, I know that's kind of the boring take here, but this is going to be a stay away from me. I'm not going to bet on this fight in any way, shape, or form. I'm going to sit back and enjoy the Sugar Sean O'Malley show because let's be honest, whether or not he wins or loses, it's going to be exciting. I mean, one fight might be to go to decision. You're probably going to get a pretty good price on that, depending uh, just because of the high finish rate between these two fighters. If Sean O'Malley does have a little bit more of a challenge against Marlon Vera, if he can't knock him out, I, I could see this going to decision. Uh, another reason that it just makes me a little bit nervous to bet on Sugar Sean O'Malley is no one in the UFC is more confident than this guy right now, unless it's an act, but I don't think it, it is. He thinks he can beat anyone in that division. An overconfident fighter, sometimes that comes to bite them in the ass. They take risks that they don't necessarily need to take, or they start the start of the fight doesn't go their way, and they start to panic a little bit, so... I'm going to stay away from Sean O'Malley. I'm just going to enjoy the show on that one. But if I were to make a bet, it might be like over one and a half rounds, over two and a half rounds, depending on what the odds are. Uh, if he does if he does have a little bit of trouble with Vera, this could go the distance. Uh, so this leads up, obviously, to the fight that everyone wants to know about, the main event of the evening. Daniel Cormier, Stipe Miocic, the rubber match for the UFC heavyweight strap. It's basically a pick and Bovada has Daniel Cormier, slight favorite, minus 120, Stipe Miocic, minus 110. This fight is as, and I'm not just saying this, this fight is as close as a toss-up as you're ever going to get in the UFC, especially in a heavyweight title fight. To me, like, this is honestly a 50-50 shot. It's, I mean, let's look at the first two fights. First fight, Daniel Cormier got the first round knockout over Stipe. Fight number two, Stipe got the knockout over DC, who was in the fourth round. Uh, I think Stipe's striking might be a little bit more crisp. He's a little bit of a more technical boxer, but then obviously DC has the wrestling advantage. Obviously, he was uh, he didn't compete in the Olympics, but he was on the uh, Olympic team before he had ran into like weight cut issues or something and couldn't compete. But obviously, world class wrestler. Um, so I mean, what we got to do because this is a rubber match, we got to look back at, to see how the first two fights went. So we don't really get too much from from the first fight because it was a first round knockout. Uh, they're in the clinch on the way out of the clinch. DC uh, caught Stipe with a hook, knocked him out. Second fight is is, is where you're going to get a little bit more information. That was a little bit more of an interesting fight. So DC was winning the, the second fight. All three judges gave the first round and the second round to DC. Uh, two judges gave the third round to Stipe. One judge gave the third round to, to, uh, to DC. So one judge had all first three rounds. Uh, 30-27 heading into the fourth. The other two judges had a 29-28 DC heading into the fourth. Uh, if the four, if the fight wasn't finished in the fourth round, it most likely was going to be Stipe's round. DC's cardio kind of caught up to him a little bit. Uh, Stipe was landing the harder shots and then obviously ended up landing the knockout to win the fight in the fourth round. 
really, no matter which, which side you're going to bet on this fight, it's a good bet. No one's going to tell me that they're betting on one side and when you go, ooh, I don't know about that one. Uh, my reaction to either side would be, yeah, all right, good luck. Let's let's see what happens. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what I'm going to go with yet. I know this is, this is my podcast. I'm supposed to put out a pick for this fight. Right now, if the fight was tonight, and I think this is the way I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go Daniel Cormier. I think I'm going to go with DC. I think he's going to... I mean, he's a smart guy. I think he's going to lose from his mistakes that, that he had in the second fight. He might have been a little bit overconfident after knocking Stipe out in the first fight. Came into the second fight a little bit overconfident. I think he's going to learn from his mistakes in that fight. I assume his cardio is going to be a little bit better. And I actually think he's going to utilize his wrestling a little bit more in this fight than he did in the second fight. So I could see DC using his clinch, using wrestling, conserving his energy a little bit better than he did in the second fight. Uh, so I'm going to go DC. You know what? Screw it. I'm locking in right now. Give me DC. That's going to be my official pick. I'm not going to change from that. So give me Daniel Cormier in this fight. As far as over-under rounds, once again, I don't have the odds for this. You know, over one and a half rounds, over two and a half rounds. Uh, Both fighters know this is a rubber match, though. So I think if I were to go over-under on any of those kind of round bets, I would go the over. Uh, We're not going to see a fourth fight. Both fighters know that. A lot on the line for both fighters. And when there's a lot on the line... Um, they're not going to get a fourth fight. Both guys might be looking to retire. This could be the last fight for both guys. I think it's more likely that they're going to be cautious more than they're going to be aggressive. So if I had to go over under on round bets, I think I would go over just because of that. I think they will fight. Uh, I think they'll be a little bit more conservative. So that's what I got for UFC 252, the big event of the weekend. Uh, Let's move on to the next sport I'm going to handicap here. I'm going to move on to the PGA Tour. Uh, So we had the PGA Championship last weekend. Uh, I'm going to talk about that in the intro a little bit, give a little bit of recap, my bets for that. Uh, This week is the Wyndham Championship. Now, I'm not going to get into this as much as I got into the PGA Championship. I'm not going to go through the odds list of the top 20 guys and give my thoughts for each guy. Uh, because this is not a major tournament and, and it's a weaker field. So I'll do that for the majors for these weaker fields. I'll just keep it a little bit basic here. I'll give out my breakdown of the course, uh, my key stats, and the three golfers I'll be backing. All right, so Wyndham Championship, Sedgefield Country Club. It's a par 70. It's measuring a little over 7,100 yards. This is a Donald Ross-designed course. So for you golf nerds out there, you guys know what a Donald Ross course means for you non-golf nerds out there. Placement's going to be important, accuracy is going to be important, and the greens are all going to be raised. So you got to hit the greens because if you miss the greens, you're going to be having to chip uphill to get it back onto the green uh, to try to save par. I was actually a member at a Donald Ross course. Uh, the course that's actually the closest to where I live is a Donald Ross design course. Um, I think it might be, I was going to say, I think it might be the only Donald Ross course designed in Canada, but that could be wrong. It's definitely the only designed, uh, Donald Ross designed course, uh, on the East coast of Canada. I was a member there last year. Um, and it killed me. It destroyed me. It was a very tough course. It was a, it's a classic municipal Donald Ross course. All the greens are raised. There's no flat, there's no flat uh, holes whatsoever. You're constantly shooting uphill, shooting downhill. Uh, and if you're not a good golfer like me, a guy who's a mid nineties golfer, uh, that kind of course can eat you up because you have to be extremely accurate. You have to know your distances and how much you got to take into account, uh, when it's going uphill, how much you got to take into account going downhill. So I'm personally familiar with Donald Ross courses and I hate them. <laughs> I hate you, Donald Ross. You've caused me to th- toss my club one too many times. 
Uh, it's going to be a low-scoring event, though. The last four winners finished here at 21 or 22 under, so there's going to be a ton of birdies. This is the last tournament, just if, if you guys don't know, this is the last tournament before the FedEx Cup playoffs. so this is the last chance for anyone who's outside of the top 125 in the FedEx Cup standings to get into the top 125 to qualify for the playoffs. Because of that, it's basically a weaker field, it's not really a necessary event for any of the top guys who have already qualified. Um, so a lot of the top golfers are taking the week off, number one, because the PGA Championship was last week, so they like taking the week after a major off, and also the playoffs start next week, so they obviously got to show up for all the playoff events, so this is kind of their last uh, time that they can take a break before the FedEx Cup playoffs, and then I think it's right after the FedEx Cup playoffs is the U.S. Open, I'm pretty sure, so uh, a lot of the top golfers aren't in this, but a few of the top golfers certainly are, so let's actually take a look at the top six on the odds list to win the Wyndham Championship. Webb Simpson is the favorite, plus 950. He was my one pick last week at the PGA Championship that kind of let me down. Uh, the reason why he's the favorite, though, he won this tournament in 2011, and he's also finished in the top six in five of the last six years here. I'm not going to bet on him to win outright because he's the favorite. That's kind of boring. You're going to see everyone on the internet who bets and who plays Daily Fantasy taking Webb Simpson, so I'm not going to echo everyone else. I just told you why he's the favorite. He crushes this course every time he plays on it. Uh, but there he is, Webb Simpson, plus 950. Brooks Kepka is second on the odds list, 11 to 1. Then we got Patrick Reed and Tommy Fleetwood at 16 to 1. And then Justin Rose and Paul Casey, both guys who put on a good showing at the PJ Championship, are next on the odds list at 20 to 1. Uh, so, yeah, let's get into my key stats here. Uh, number one here, I'm going to go ball striking. So this is one I used last week as well. It factors in driving and also greens and regulation. Driving our distance is not important whatsoever. Driving accuracy is important here. I did not put driving accuracy in my key stats. It's kind of factored into ball striking a little bit, but if you do want to take a look at driving accuracy, I would not blame you whatsoever. Driving distance, don't even need to look at it. Not important whatsoever here on this course. Next one, strokes gained approaching the green. This is going to be important for every Donald Ross course because you don't want to miss these greens. Like I said, they're all elevated, so scrambling is going to be tough. We've got to make sure we get golfers who get it on the green, and preferably golfers who get it close to the pin. So that's the second key stat, strokes gained approaching the green. Then we're going to look at scrambling percentage. I think this is the most popular one. I think I put in scrambling percentage almost every week lately. I'm going to, I'll say it for a third time. These greens are raised. If guys are going to miss the greens, and obviously they're going to miss the greens at least a couple times, they got to have good scrambling ability, good uh, chipping to get it up and onto the green and to save par. So that's the third one. Fourth is par 4 scoring. I usually toss this in into par 70 courses because obviously on a par 70 course, you're getting two more par 4s compared to a par 72 course. Uh, so you got to be able to score on par 4s to do well on a par 70. So that's me. That's my, uh, that's my fourth key stat. That's me fourth key stat. Uh, and then my fifth and final key, st <laughs> key stat is one that I actually haven't used at all before in the past. This is birdie to bogey ratio. So, I mean, that's kind of self-explanatory. It takes how many birdies a golfer scores compared to how many bogeys they score, and they ratio it out. So if you have a high birdie to bogey ratio, it means you get a lot of birdies and not a lot of bogeys. This is a low-scoring tournament. Like I mentioned, it's going to be in the 20s is going to be the winner. So we need guys who, number one, can score birdies, and number two, can avoid bogeys, because you have to to score that low. You don't want guys who birdie a lot, but also bogey a lot, because they're just going to go nowhere, and then 
avoiding bogeys is all well and good, but if you can't score with birdies, you're not going to find yourself at the top of the leaderboard at the end of the weekend. So just to kind of recap here, ball striking, strokes gained approaching the green, scrambling percentage, par 4 scoring, and birdie to bogey ratio. I uh, didn't put putting in there. Putting actually, believe it or not, is actually not very important historically at this at this uh, at this course. The past few winners have barely gained like half a stroke uh, putting, uh, but they still go on to win. So I'm going to look at putting and reference that when I make my picks here. Uh, but it's not the be all and end all here at the Wyndham Championship. Now, before I move on to my three picks for the Wyndham Championship, uh, just to let you guys know, because I actually get this question a fair a fair bit in my DMs. Guys want to know where I get these stats from. It's actually right on the PGA Tour website. As far as professional North American leagues, the PGA Tour has probably the best stats section out of, you know, it's better than the MLB stats, stats section. NBA's not a bad stats section. Uh, NHL's not a bad stats section. But PGA Tour is everything you need for stats. Every single possible stat you can think of, it's right there. You can sort it. By you know by tournament, um, by golfer obviously it's it's a really great stat section. So it's right there on the PGA Tour website. Just Google PGA Tour stats, and you'll get everything you need right there. Uh, yeah, so there we go. That is my course breakdown, my key stats. Let's get into my three golfers I'm going to be backing at the Wyndham Championship. The first one I might throw up in my mouth a little bit when I give the pick. It sickens me to say this, but my pick's actually going to be Patrick Reed, the cheater, the scumbag. The bum. I hate cheering for Patrick Reed. Actually, I never cheer for him. I hate even seeing him on my screen. But I'm going to have to cheer for him this week. I, I think it's a good weekend for him. 196th in ball striking, probably due to he's not a great driver of the ball, so I'm not too worried about that ball striking category. Strokes gained approaching the green, he's 85th. Scrambling, he's tied for 29th. But then it's these next three that are really great stats for him. Par 4 scoring, he's tied for 7th, so he does great on, on par 4s. Birdie to bogey ratio, he's 16th. He's very good at saving par when he gets himself in a dangerous situation, so I like that about him this week. And the strokes gained putting, he's actually 10th. He's 10th on the PGA Tour in putting. That's a big reason why he avoids bogeys. So I think Patrick Reed against this weak field has a really good shot. I like him at 16-1. to I'm going to take him to win at 16-1. to I'm also going to take him top 10 for a little insurance. I don't know what his top 10 odds are because they're not out yet as of Monday night. But Patrick Reed, 16-1 to and top 10. Also, he's played well recently. Tied for 13th at the PGA Championship. Thank God he didn't win another major. Uh, tied for 10th at the Memorial Tournament. And I think Muirfield Village is comparable course to this one as far as, far as like a stylistic standpoint. Obviously, Muirfield Village is a lot more difficult. But from a stylistic standpoint, I think it's similar. And he did well there. So that's Patrick Reed, my first pick. Second pick. I'm going with a guy who was very hot in the restart, kind of cooled off recently, and I think we're getting good value uh, on him this week because of this, and that's Joaquin Neiman, the Chilean. He is 50-1 to 1 to win. I'm not going to take him to win. I'm going to take him top 10 and top 20, whatever those odds are. I have a ballpark idea. I know what they are just based on his odds to win at 50-1. to 1. But his numbers kind of fit well with his core. So he's 83rd in ball striking. That's, you know, that's above average. It's pretty good. But big one that sticks out to me with Joaquin Neiman is strokes gained approaching the green. He is 8th on the PGA Tour in that. 150th in scrambling. That's a bit of a concern. But he's par 4 scoring. He's tied for 29th. And birdie and bogey ratio, he's tied for 69th. Also, he's 160th in putting. So he's not a great putter. But like I mentioned... 
that doesn't exactly matter a whole lot uh, here. So I'm not con too concerned about his putting. I am a little bit concerned about his scrambling, uh, but I think he does value. Uh, I think he has value here. Another reason why I'm not too concerned about that is because he's actually shown he's done what he can play well at this course. He finished tied for 13th at this event last season. So I think he can take advantage of a weaker field here. I like him in that price. Give me Joaquin Neiman as my second pick. And now for my third pick, my third and final pick for the Wyndham Championship. We were talking about how I can't pronounce names. I think I can pronounce this one. It might be my favorite name to pronounce on the PGA Tour. I'm going with Christian Bazudinut. Christian Bazudinut. 66 to 1 to win he is. I'm not going to take him to win. I'm just going to take him top 20. I'm going to be a little bit conservative with him. I've been waiting for the right time to bet on him recently because I've actually really liked what I've seen from him, and I think now is the right time to do it. So ball striking, 205th. That's mostly because of his driving. He's not a great driver, but I'm not con too concerned about driving this weekend. Strokes gained approaching the green, though, 22nd. Scrambling, 104th. Average there. Par 4 scoring, 89th. Average there. Birdie bogey ratio tied for 113th. Average there. But then putting, I did say putting is not important, but Christian Bezudenut is actually ninth in putting. So, I mean, if you can take a, a guy top 10, even if on a course where putting is not too important, yeah, I mean, you're going to gain some strokes putting regardless. So, uh, that's my third and final pick. I'm just going to take him top 20, uh, no matter what the odds are there. I'm going to assume if he's 66 to 1, probably, what, 3 to 1, 2.5 to 1 at the worst. Probably more like 3 to 1, top 20. Uh, he did miss the cut at the PGA Championship by a stroke, but he was tied for 20th at the WGC the week before that and then tied for 22nd at the Memorial Tournament. So he has played pretty fairly uh, fairly well recently. So Christian Bezudenut is my third pick. I'm just going to keep repeating that so I can use as many excuses as possible to say Christian Bezudenut. It'd be really embarrassing if, I, if I'm actually butchering his name. I think I'm pronouncing it right, but who knows? Maybe I am butchering it. Uh, but that's what we got for the PGA Tour for the Wyndham Championship. I see I just hit the 30-minute mark, I think. So I got two more sports things to get through. This is actually a loaded episode as far as sports because there's a lot, a, lot of, a lot of important sports to talk about this weekend. So covered UFC, covered PGA Tour. Let's get into the NHL because uh, the NHL first round of the playoffs start tomorrow night. My poor, poor, poor Maple Leafs are not... In this round, it saddens me. I'm um, a lot less excited for the NHL playoffs uh, now that the Leafs are out of it, obviously. But let's make it exciting by placing some bets on it. So I'm going to go through these each series. Uh, I'm not going to take too long in each one. I'm just going to give a couple points in my pick. Um, but let's start it off with the Eastern Conference. Actually, before I get into it, uh, something I want to say here. As square as it sounds... Um, a lot of favorites, I think, actually have value in this round. Given what we saw from the underdogs in the qualifying round, I think people are banking on a lot of underdogs winning again this round. Uh, so a couple things you need to remember. Number one, it's a lot easier for an underdog to win a five-game series than it is a seven-game series. Number two, the top four teams playing in that round robin, even the teams who lost all three games, like the, Bru the Bruins and the Blues, they were playing against the best of the best in their conference. So it kind of gave them the illusion that they aren't as good as what they are. Uh, but make no mistake about it, the top two team, top four teams in each conference, in my opinion, are really a step above the rest. So I'm going to go with mostly favorites here. I'm going to take a couple underdogs, and obviously I'll explain why I like them. Uh, but we're going to start in the Eastern Conference here. First one, I'm going to look at Hurricanes against the Bruins. Hurricanes plus 120, Bruins minus 140. So I actually like the Hurricanes a lot. It, they were going to be one of my underdogs I was going to pick until I saw the odds. 
Uh, I can't take them at this price, only plus 120. I don't think any value is there on the Hurricanes. As much as it pains me to say, because I hate the Bruins even more than the Islanders and the Canadians, uh, Bruins at minus 140 is the bet to make. Uh, despite going 0-3 in the round robin, Bruins were third in Corsi, tied for second fewest high-danger scoring chances against uh, so they're fairly decent on defense. Their goaltending needs to pick it up a, l- a little bit. But really what cost them is the Bruins. Uh, they could not hit the ocean from a boat, as I like to say. Dead last so far in the playoffs in shooting percentage, 4.3%. They couldn't find the back of the net, but I expect that to change against the Hurricanes. So I love the value, minus 140. Excuse me, I love the value there, minus 140 against the Hurricanes. Next, we're moving on to the Blue Jackets, plus 165 against the Lightning, minus 190. Uh, I think this is actually one of the more tough series to call. Uh, solely based on last year's playoffs. Maybe that's not a good thinking process for me to use, but I can't get the Blue Jackets sweeping the Lightning in last year's playoffs out of my head. Can the Lightning exercise their demons of getting swept by the Blue Jackets last year? I don't know. A big factor will be in this series, I think, is Columbus's goaltending. They really stole the series from them against the Maple Leafs. Third highest save percentage so far in the playoffs. Uh, just the eye test of watching their games, because obviously I watch all the Blue Jackets and Leafs games. They are so they're so scrappy. They're so good on preventing good scoring chances on the defensive side. It, like it seemed like they play like they would rather take a puck in the face than allow uh, a shot on net. So I that's always a good recipe for playoff hockey. So if this was 50-50, I would go with the Lightning, but this is not odds don't work that way. So I am actually going to back the Blue Jackets. They're going to be my first underdog pick, plus 165 at that price. I think they have a little bit of value. And also, I'm not completely sold on the Lightning. Lightning and a lot of stats I look at are kind of middle of the road. So give me Columbus in that one. Next, we've got the Canadiens, Les Habitants. Plus 195 against the Flyers, minus 235. This is the first no-brainer for me. Carey Price stole the series for them against the Penguins. I said that was possible, but that's not going to happen against the Flyers. Especially with how the Flyers are shooting the puck. Second highest shooting percentage in the playoffs so far. Um, I wasn't high on the Flyers going into the round robin. I bet on them uh, in two of the three games, and it bit me in the ass for doing so. But they've looked absolutely fantastic. They played as a team. They moved the puck very well. They're strong defensively. Highest save percentage so far in the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually sweep the Canadians here. So Flyers to sweep is at plus 700. I think that's actually a pretty good price, to be honest. And for them to win in five is at plus 400. So those are actually the two bets I'm going to make because I cannot see this going past five. So give me Flyers to sweep plus 700 and Flyers to win in five at plus 400. Next, we got the Islanders plus 155 against the Capitals. Now, when I made that Patrick Reed bet earlier, I said it made me feel sick to my stomach. I actually think I'm going to puke saying this. Hold on to your horses, ladies and gentlemen. I'm saying it. I'm taking the Islanders. Please don't tell any Islanders fans that I'm doing this. I highly, highly doubt there's Islanders fans listening to this podcast. If they are, they're just doing it so they can try to find a soundbite to chirp me about later. But yeah, I'm taking the Islanders, plus 155. I I think they actually match up well with the Capitals. Out of all the four teams uh, that were in the round-robin stage... I think the the Capitals is the best matchup for the Islanders. The Islanders play a pretty strong defensive style of hockey. It's really a modified trap, which is boring as hell to watch. One of the reasons why I hate the Islanders. Uh, but if you want to shut down a high-powered offense, especially one with a goal scorer like Ovechkin, it's a fantastic type of hockey to play. So I, I think it's just a good stylistic matchup for the Islanders. I like the price plus 155. Don't forget, this is also Barry Trotz going against his former team. Does that mean anything as far as a motivation standpoint? Probably not because this is the NHL playoffs, so they're going to be motivated and play as hard as possible anyway, uh, but it's worth noting. 
Um, so I don't want to say anything else about that series. It, always, it already makes me feel sick to my stomach. Give me Islanders plus 155. Ugh. Gross. I need to take a shower after saying that. All right, let's move on to the Western Conference. Avalanche, minus 245 against the Coyotes, plus 205. Probably the best team in the NHL playoffs against the worst team in the NHL playoffs right now, in my opinion. I was pretty surprised to see the Coyotes get past the Predators, but the puck stops here, in my opinion. Avalanche to sweep, plus 550 for them to win in five, plus 325. Those are the bets I'm making. Uh, I don't want to get in this series too much because this is an absolute no-brainer. I will eat a pair of my own socks if the Coyotes beat the Avalanche here. Coyotes dead last in Corsi uh, out of the teams in the qualifying round. Nothing about their team stands out. Avs roll. Uh, and then you can basically copy and paste what I said about that series into the Golden Knights and Blackhawks series because I think Golden Knights roll here in this one as well. Golden Knights are minus 275, Blackhawks are plus 225. I could see the Blackhawks taking it to six, though, to be honest. Uh, I don't think the Golden Knights will sweep, but it's certainly possible. Blackhawks can score goals. It's hard to say that the Blackhawks are going to get swept when you got guys like Patty Kane and Jonathan Taves. Uh, but the Golden Knights are once again one of the more underrated teams in the NHL because they're just they just don't have any they don't have any studs they don't have any guys on the team that stand out but they just play so well as a team second in Corsi so far in the playoffs Blackhawks are giving up the most high danger scoring chances against that's not a good sign no brainer to me give me the Golden Knights I'm not going to bet on them to win in a certain amount of games though because I think Blackhawks might squeeze a few out. Uh, now we're getting into the more interesting ones in the Western Conference. Canucks, plus 165. Blues, minus 190. I'm going to take the Blues here as well, so I'm taking another favorite in the Western Conference. I think we're getting a little bit of be- uh, better value on the Blues because they went 0-3 in the round-robin games. If those round-robin games weren't played, I think the Blues would be closer to minus 250 in this series. Uh, Canucks have a good young core players, but too much too soon. Blues win in five is my prediction for that one. You can get that at plus 300. So I think the Blues actually kind of roll in this series as well. Now, the most interesting series in the Western Conference, in my opinion, at least the Calgary Flames even money against the Dallas Stars minus 120. So this is the only underdog I'm taking in the Western Conference. I am going to back the Flames at even money here against the Stars. They kind of impressed me in the qualifying round against the Jets. I was actually on the Jets. I thought the Jets were going to pull off the upset, but now granted, it would have been a different series if Shifley and Liney didn't go down. But regardless, I like what I saw from the Flames. They are solid defensively. Uh, They're in the bottom third so far in the playoffs and high danger scoring chances against. They have good goaltending, fourth and save percentage so far. Meanwhile, the Stars looked bad in the round-robin games. Uh, second last in Corsi so far, these playoffs the Stars are. So give me the Flames a slight underdogs, even money. So just to recap, the first round of the playoffs, I like the Bruins to beat the Hurricanes, the Blue Jackets to beat the Lightning, Flyers to beat the Canadians, Islanders, Islanders to beat the Capitals, uh, <laughs> Avalanche to beat the Coyotes, Gold Knights to beat the Blackhawks, Blues to beat the Canucks, and the Flames to beat the Stars. Uh, So that's pretty much it. I do want to do one last thing for the betting portion of the podcast uh, since we're getting basically to the 40-minute mark here. Uh, The last portion is going to be pretty quick this week. Had a lot to go over, but I do want to give out some picks for Tuesday, August 11th. So i got three best bets for Tuesday night's game. I'm assuming the majority of people listening to this will be listening on Tuesday. If you are listening to this after Tuesday, you can either just skip ahead 10 minutes. This is not going to take long. I'm just going to do a few bullet points for each of the three games or... Stick around, and you'll probably hear how wrong I was about the, <laughs> about these picks. Uh, hopefully how right I was about these picks, but maybe I'll be wrong. Who knows? Maybe it'll be funny to listen to how off I was about these picks. 
Uh, keep in mind, also, we're recording this on Monday night, so don't DM me tomorrow saying, Ian, you got the odds at this, you made up odds, the odds are now this. Obviously, the odds are probably going to change between now and uh, start of these games tomorrow night, or if you're listening to it tonight, um, but I can't do anything to uh, to combat that, so I'm just going based off the odds as of Monday night at Bovada. So my first pick, I'm going at the MLB. I'm going to go Detroit Tigers. I'm going to take them as a pick in versus the Chicago White Sox. This is a big-time fade of Gio Gonzalez for me. He gets a start for the White Sox. His days as an MLB starter, I believe, are numbered. He stinks. 7.71 ERA this season. He's allowed 20 hits and 7 walks across only 11 and 2 thirds innings. Gio stinks. Also, he's a lefty, and believe it or not, you might not believe this, but the Tigers are actually first in the major as of tonight in OPS versus left-handed pitchers, second in total runs scored versus lefties, so they've been smashing lefties. I mean, not a good combination for the White Sox. They're putting a bum of a lefty Gio Gonzalez up against a team that smashes lefties. Uh, love Tigers, minus 110. Also, let's look at uh, who's getting uh, the start for the Tigers. It's uh, the young gun, Tyler Alexander. He's looked well this year, 1.170 ERA so far, 13 strikeouts. He's also a lefty, and the White Sox are 23rd in OPS first left-handed pitchers. And since we're taking this full game, we've got to look at the bullpen. We'd be dumb if we didn't. Detroit, 19th in bullpen ERA. White Sox are 20th, so that bullpen's basically a wash there if you just want to take the first five uh, first five inning money line instead. I wouldn't blame you. I don't have those odds available to me as of yet because it's still Monday night, but that might be a decent play. The bullpen's basically a wash. Uh, and then also, of course, slight advantage because the because Detroit's at home. So whatever home field advantage you get in 2020, uh, the Detroit would have it for tonight. So that's my first best bet for Tuesday night, Detroit Tigers. I'm getting them at minus 110 against stinky Gio Gonzalez and the White Sox. Second bet, I'm looking at the MLB again. This is one that I actually think the odds are probably going to shift a little bit more before Tuesday night's game because I'm surprised I'm getting this team as an underdog. And that's the Oakland Athletics plus 115 against the Angels. Athletics have been red hot, so i got to take them as an underdog here. Um, but I mean, first and foremost, and this might slash probably is going to bite me in the ass, I, just, I, I, I can't believe Dylan Bundy is a 2.08 ERA pitcher. Maybe that's dumb. Maybe I'm still thinking back to two years ago when we had Dylan Bundy Day. It was a it was a celebration of a day in the office when we could fade Dylan Bundy and make a million dollars. Those days seem behind us, but I, I can't I can't believe Dylan Bundy's a two point eight two point zero eight ERA pitcher. He has to regress in my opinion. Also, I mean, I'm definitely going to take this one full game because the A's bullpen is one of the best bullpen in the majors. Fourth in B bullpen ERA at 1.63, while the Angels are down at 21st with a bullpen ERA of 4.35. So if Dylan Bundy does pitch well again, hopefully their bullpen just blows it for them. The A's bullpen is actually even better on the road compared to at home. They have a road bullpen of 0.69. I didn't make that up. That's real. They're road bullpen ERA as of recording this podcast is 0.69, which is, of course, nice. <clears throat> Give me the A's plus 115 against the Angels Tuesday night. Then I'm going to the NHL for my third best bet. The first round of the NHL playoffs obviously starts tomorrow night or tonight if you're listening on Tuesday. I'm going to take the Bruins minus 130 against the Hurricanes uh, for a lot of the same reasons why I like the Bruins 
uh, in the series overall. I won't repeat a lot of those same points as I made when I said I'm going to take the Bruins in the series. But if you want to take advantage of the Hurricanes being overvalued for sweeping the shitty Rangers uh, in the qualifying round, and then you're also taking the Bruins being undervalued for going 0-3 in a tough round robin, now's your chance. Bruins could blow with the Hurricanes in the first game and then not get put at this price the rest of the series. So I think this is uh, this is a good opportunity to kind of take advantage of advantages of some one team being overvalued, the other team being undervalued. So uh, the Bruins got to start putting the puck back in the net. I think they can do it against the Hurricanes. Hurricanes goaltending did look good in the qualifying round, uh, but they can't keep that up all playoffs. I don't believe in Peter Mrazek or James Reimer. So give me the Bruins at minus 130. I have them locked in as my third best bet and final bet for Tuesday night so there you have it that was a long the sports betting podcast or the sports betting portion of the podcast was longer than normal this is getting close to 50 minutes now won't necessarily always be this long but i had a lot to get through and a lot i wanted to talk to uh, talk about this is a big week in sports nhl playoffs ufc pga uh yeah so i do uh i do i am going to talk about uh as I said at the top of the show, I'm going to rate and review some Islanders chirps. We're going to have some fun here uh, the last 10 minutes of the podcast. We're going to have some laughs, probably at my own expense, so stick around for that. But before, yes, we are going to take a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Bacon Bets podcast is sponsored by the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're sponsoring this podcast? All right, I guess I'll just do the ad read. Are you looking for a sports team that will break your heart every single year? Are you a masochist who hates feeling joy in life? Do you want to go through all 80 years of your sad, lonely, poor existence without ever once seeing your team win? If you are, then jump on the bandwagon of the Toronto Maple Leafs. We haven't won a cup since 1967 And every single year, we like to give our fans hope all the way up until a winner-takes-all game in the playoffs, and then we like to rip the hearts out of every single person in our fan base. If this sounds like an attractive option for you, feel free to stop cheering for this team that you cheer for now, and come on over to the Maple Leafs bandwagon. Head on over to MapleLeafs.com, enter the code word BACON, and you'll get 25% off your first jersey of a player that will trade away in the next year. Once again, that's MapleLeafs.com. Enter the code word BACON. Now, obviously, I don't actually have a sponsor for the show, considering this is only the second episode ever. Hopefully, someday I'll have a sponsor. Uh, that would be nice. Uh, actually, last week when, when I did the joke ad of ShakeAhand.com, after I uploaded the episode, I went and searched up ShakeAhand.com to see if it was a real website. Didn't think it would be, but it was. Uh, but it was a website. It is a website completely dedicated to how to fix democracy, uh, which <laughs> I thought was kind of funny. So if anyone actually went to ShakeAhand.com, no, I did not secretly try to trick my audience into learning how to fix democracy. Uh, that was a complete mistake. Uh, but I do have a quick uh, announcement, though. I did add a donation button to the Bacon Bets podcast website. Um, if you go to baconbets.buzzsprout.com or just go to my Twitter bio and click the link in my Twitter bio, uh, that'll take you to the podcast website. At the top of the website, at the top of the page, there is a little button. It's like a, a button of a coin with a heart over it. You can donate to the podcast through PayPal using that option. Now, I want to be very clear on this. Don't feel like you have to donate. 
don't even feel like you should donate. Uh, I just wanted to add that option because I have had people in the past thank me for my picks and wanted to send me tips. I've said no in the past, but now that I'm kind of doing a podcast, uh, you guys actually have something to, I, I feel like there's an actual purpose that, that the money can go towards. Uh, obviously, you can help spread the podcast, you can help build the podcast, uh, and maybe I can get some better equipment, maybe a soundboard, maybe a switcher, something like that. So, uh, don't feel like you should, but if you have some extra money, maybe I helped you win some bets back in college basketball season, maybe I helped you win some bets this past weekend at the PJ Championship. If, if you have some extra money, if you if you want to uh, donate to the podcast, the option is there, baconbets.buzzsprout.com, or just click the link in my Twitter bio. Uh, click the button, the coin with the heart over it, uh, donate through PayPal, and I would be forever grateful and forever in your debt. But once again, please don't feel like you should. I actually, even making the option available, I feel a little bit guilty doing it. Um, But the option is there if you feel so inclined. So enough of that. Let's get into the final portion of the podcast here. It's going to be a quick portion here this week. uh, But I wanted to address the whole issue with the Islanders things. And I mean, not even address it. That sounds serious. Like I'm going to put out a formal apology. What's it? Islanders fans. I mean, I... Are they, are they just passionate or, or are they sensitive? I don't fully know. I, I guess if I'm calling them sensitive, maybe it's an insult and I don't want to insult them because then they're going to drown me in my mentions for the next week. Let's call it, let's call it their passionate fan base. Uh, so I'll give you guys a little bit of background if you're not 100% familiar with the story because there's probably a good portion of you who weren't following me back in December. So back in December, I was co-hosting an episode of Guys and Bets. And uh, as you guys probably know, when I make my picks, I like to add a little flair to it, maybe toss in a hot take or two. Uh, Well, that day I decided to bet against the Islanders. They were playing against Lightning. Uh, I took Lightning uh, minus one and a half, so Lightning on the puck line. And in my little spiel about why I liked the Lightning, I called the Islanders frauds. Now, what I meant by that was the Islanders at the time were first place in the Eastern Conference. I didn't think they were the first place team in the Eastern Conference. I didn't think they were that good of a team. But instead of me just being uh, rational about it, I yelled out frauds and called them frauds. Um, and the Lightning went on to lose that game. The Islanders actually won that game. So I look like an idiot. And of course, the dreaded thing happens that happens to people in sports media, especially what happens to people in sports betting, is the clip got retweeted by Cold Takes Exposed or Old Takes Exposed, whichever, whatever one of it is. So a lot of people latched on, dude. I had the entire Islanders fan base come after me. Um, Kevin Connolly, huge Islanders fan, um, who of course starred, produced, I believe, uh, Entourage. A big fan of his. He chirped me a little bit. He's actually a good guy. Actually, he might be the only Islanders fan that I actually like. Frankie Brelli from, from Barstool Sports quote tweeted the clip and put in all caps, this guy stinks. John Taffer, the fucking bar rescue guy, came after me. A um, bunch of guys in Islanders media came after me, and my mentions were just a shit show. Uh, so me being the showman that I am, I wasn't going to back down and be like, oh, I didn't actually mean it. Uh, I leaned into it because that's what you got to do when you when you get when you get caught with your uh, with your finger up your bum. Is that the right term? There's no way that's the right term. When you get caught with, uh, is it? 
I don't know, when you get caught looking like an idiot, <laughs> you got to lean into it. You're not going to back out. So the next video, next day I made a response video uh, saying I stand by the statement. I call them the Brooklyn Islanders because if you don't know, half their games for a season or two were being played in Brooklyn. Uh, I leaned into it and they got even more mad at me. Fast forward to this past week, the Islanders have moved on to the first round of the playoffs. And of course, even since then, the Maple Leafs are out. Uh, so the uh, Islanders fans base had this clip saved for months on end and I swear it was a minute after the Islanders beat the Panthers in game four and advance to the next round my mentions started blowing up Islanders fans saying oh yeah look at this guy what a clown what a fraud blah 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 whatever I love it I think it's hilarious I think it's hilarious that like they were holding on to that clip for six months and then came after me but then again if the Islanders missed the playoffs, I would have probably done the same thing back to them. It's all in good fun. The reason why I'm catching you guys up to this and the reason why I want to talk about it is because I got a ton of chirps. I want to review these chirps because the Islanders fan base, while yes, they may be passionate, they might, it might be some of the worst chirps I've ever seen in my life. Out of it, probably 50 to 100 chirps I received the past few days, I think there's two or three that were funny. So I'm going to give you guys a little 101 on Twitter chirps. And I'm going to rate and review some that I received the past couple of days. Um, yeah, but that was my quick thing about the Islanders. Listen, I don't actually hate the Islanders. They're fine. Are they a little bit boring to watch because they play a modified trap? Yes. Uh, do I actually think they're frauds and a terrible hockey team? Obviously not. Obviously a good hockey team. I didn't think they were the best team in the Eastern Conference when that video, when I first made that uh, that clip from Guys and Bets. They proved not to be because they finished, what, in the regular season, like 7th or 8th. They only won 12, they lost 12 of their last 14 games. So I was sort of right, but at the end of the day, I was just kind of joking. But Islanders fans, Islanders fans, it's like part of, like their fandom is part of their personality. So if I chirp their team, they feel like I'm coming after them personally. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, they all have Islanders logos as their Twitter profile picture or like a player of the Islanders as their profile picture. Guys, get a life, eh? Life is more than the Islanders. Don't get personally offended if I chirp your hockey team. Chirp the Leafs. Chirp the Leafs all you want. Or at least if you're going to chirp me, do a good chirp. A chirp that, 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 that's funny. That will make me laugh. Most of these are just insults. So let's get into some of these chirps here. I want to review and rate, review and rate a few of them give a few tips, and then we're going to end the podcast. So there's three components to a good a good chirp, especially a good Twitter chirp. This whole conversation is going to be about Twitter chirps, so there's three main good components. Number one, it needs to be at least a little bit of truth. There needs to be some truth to it, because there's no, there's no truth to it. It just doesn't land. Then you're just saying something random. Uh, number two, it needs to be original. Can we stop with uh, the clown emojis? Calling someone a clown, I think that's a little overdone at this point. Well, the clown gifs, that's a little overdone. Number three, uh, if it's funny, if it's funny, then even better. Uh, a good way to make uh, a good chirp funny, make a uh, pop culture reference. Compare someone to like an obscure character from some kind. Obscure enough that it's not someone that you would immediately think of, uh, but one that when someone brings up, uh, it's you know who they're talking about. So the best chirp that I got from Islanders fans, I retweeted a few of them. Uh, the best one that I got, sweet nilbit. You probably shouldn't be allowed to spew bullshit on Twitter when you look like Sid from Toy Story. That's that's great. That's perfect. That's straight. It's to the point. It's true. I'm at the stage of, it was like a month ago I got a buzz cut, so I'm at the stage now where my hair is like just long enough where it just sticks up straight like it doesn't flatten. So it's true. I look like Sid from Toy Story. That's a great chirp. That made me laugh. I retweeted it. 
Great job. It wasn't just a flat-out, you're an idiot insult. Great job. Now, these people from Long Island, let me read it. Let me read some examples of some of, of a couple bad ones here. I mean, some of them are just like, just straight insults. I mean, it's just it's not funny or I'm not. I mean, I'm not going to get angry or upset if someone just insults me because then it's like, okay, whatever. Uh, Isles fan in Montreal is this guy's handle. All these guys have like logos of Islanders players and and the Islanders logo uh, for their Twitter pro. It's weird to me, but. Uh, no, bitch, you were wrong. Shut the fuck up. Take an L, close your mouth, quit pretending you know anything. Oh, and nice hair. Come on, man, you can do better than that. Make some kind of relation to someone else who's wrong all the time. Tell me, uh, uh, tell me I'm more wrong than Ca- Colin Coward. Cowherd. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Make some reference to something else. Um, Seuss Carl, uh, who is profile picture is the Islanders logo uh ha 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 the Leafs suck frauds we don't need them and and then about 20 clown emojis (laughs) like (laughs) enough with the clown emojis it's overdone uh here's a good example of a bad one uh Canadians against Trump at little Jack Horny you so cute when you're triggered so he starts off with a compliment I accept that thank you for calling me cute um oh another emoji that's I mean overdone overused uh is the laughing crying emoji come on if you use any emojis in a chirp whatsoever, I immediately think I've won the mental battle with you. Uh, just more proof that being a Leafs fan should be classified as a mental illness. Actually, I, I kind of agree with that. Probably not the way that he thinks a mental illness is, but I mean, I think being a Leafs fan is some form of masochism, right? So I guess, is, ma- is, ma- is ma- masochism, is that a mental illness? It should be. Okay, so first he complimented me, and then he said something that I kind of agree with. Uh, are your parents proud or disappointed with the terrible choices you've made in your life? Be honest, Skippy, winky face. Uh, probably disappointed. They probably wish I was a doctor. Uh, so you know what? I start. I was going to say that this is a bad chirp. I kind of like it. First he complimented me. Then he said that something that was true. Uh, and then something else that was true. I'm sure my parents wish I was a doctor or... Um, I don't know. What's, what's something else that's a respectable profession? Engineer. I don't know. I don't know why doctor is the only one that comes to mind. I'm too dumb to do any of those. So that one's not, that's actually not too bad, little Jack Horny. Uh, Danny Linzer, wait a second. Do we have a game next week or not? Oh, we do have a game next week. That's right. So this whole song and dance about you being right is actually you being wrong. I mean, most of these people, I mean, I don't want to chirp them too much. I don't fully understand that I was being completely tongue-in-cheek and just kind of being a troll to them. Um, also, you can't really chirp me about the Leafs because I, I hate my own team. So I, I, you trashing the Leafs, I would agree with every take that you would have. Um, let's go back to another good example. This is, the other, this is the other funny one. Why does your hairline look like the arrow on the last fucking airbender? That's, that's hilarious. <laughs> the tip of my hair is arrowed down. I mean, see, that's a great chirp. You got the you got the bit of truth, uh, which was step number one. Um, it was original. I mean, who compares someone's hair to the last airbender? So two for two. Uh, and then three, it was funny. Especially, I like the placement of the fucking. Look like the arrow on the last fucking airbender. So that's three for three. That's Chris Thumser 91. Great chirp. Uh, here's one. I mean, this it's just an insult. 
I mean, if, I, if I'm just going to trip your team and you're coming back with a personal insult, and that what that tells me is that you your fandom is attached to your personality, which says way more about you than, about, than anything about me. Uh, at the end of the day, the Islanders are in the playoffs, and this dude was born ugly. I mean, I agree, so I guess that's true, but you could have said it in, that funnier, in a funnier way. I feel bad for people like this. Talk all you want. Nobody's listening to what you're saying. Uh, they're staring at your ugly face and hilarious haircut. So, I mean, it's close. I mean, some people are listening to what I'm saying, at least a few people. Uh, but if you're going to call me ugly, be a little bit more creative about it. Call me the Elephant Man. Say this guy looks like he should be starring in Elephant Man 2. Um, who's another ugly person? I don't know. I thought that was a good reference. Call me the Elephant Man. Be a little bit more original than just saying I'm ugly. Uh, from Thomas W57767140. Nobody cares if you're right or not. Just don't reach us via video with those extremely disgusting facial expressions and girlish voice. Once again, be a little bit more creative. Call me the Elephant Man. Call me. I, don't know, I was going to say George Costanza, but I'm not balding yet. At least not yet. Someday, uh, George Costanza chirp. Fast forward about 10 years, George Costanza chirp towards me is going to be very relevant and it's probably going to work. You are right. How's that? Take the L and get a different barber. You look like you just walked out of a methadone clinic. Loser. Hashtag Isles. <laughs> uh, and this is at Islander Tweep. You know what? That one wasn't terrible. I like the, you look like you just walked out of a methadone clinic. That's kind of true. That's kind of funny. I like that. Uh, take the L and get a different barber. Uh, that's a little too obvious. Um, maybe combine that, uh, combine the second half of that tweet, toss in the first half about the last fucking airbender, and you'd be, you'd have a 10 for 10. Uh, this is a girl who, an Islanders fan who's a girl, bridge underscore in underscore blue. Uh, the ladies, as Bill Bear would say, uh, getting in on the chirps here. This guy looks like a stereotypical sociopath in films. I was right. Me, 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 me. And she just types a bunch of letters. Shaking the camera so damn much too thought I was going to have a stroke. Uh, judging by how you typed that tweet, it sounds like you did have a stroke. Um, stereotypical sociopath calling me that... Kind of true. I've had people say that I'm like a sociopath before, but once again, let's make it a little bit more funny, people. Let's make it a little bit more original. Um, say that you were afraid I was going to start chasing you down a staircase with a chainsaw. You know, that's reference to American Psycho. Um, you know, let, let's make some references there. Uh, let's make it a little bit more original, a little bit more funny. Uh, Aunt Tony S95 beta male. That was one I got a lot. Soy boy beta male. I mean, just insults. They're not funny. Uh, am I the most masculine guy in the world? No. Do I really care? No. Uh, beta male, it's, I mean, it's kind of a, all right. I, I just, I just, I, I just expect more from, if you're going to take the time to tweet at me, just give me a little more. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, let's sharpen up those chirps towards me. If any of you guys listening want to chirp me, and if you want to do a good chirp, even if you like me, Send me a chirp on Twitter. I love getting chirped. If it's funny and original and, and a little bit true, I'll retweet it. I'll have a laugh. We'll all laugh together. That's all I got. Islanders fans, calm down, eh? Don't attach your fandom to you to your to your personality. Have a little separation. Understand that you can cheer for a team and not uh, not be so passionate that you actually get angry if someone else uh, does a little tongue in cheek uh, chirp about them. 
Uh, but there you go. That's what I got for the second episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. Thank you all for tuning in once again. Uh, this one was a little bit longer than normal. I'll usually try to keep it under an hour. If you don't already, follow me on Twitter at IanMacOS, I-A-I-N-M-A-C-O-S. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow it if it's on Spotify, whatever you do. If you have any questions that I want to tackle uh, in future podcasts, I'm going to get an email set up. I meant to get one before I recorded this, but I didn't. Uh, send me a DM on Twitter uh, with any questions. Maybe I'll tackle that in the second half of uh, podcasts instead of talking about Islanders fans. Um, and like I said, uh, halfway through there, if you want to donate to the show, go to baconbets.buzzsprout.com. Click the donation button in the top of the page. Uh, don't feel like you should, don't feel like you have to, but if you have extra money, if I've helped you win some bets in the past, uh, I will forever be in your debt and I'll be forever grateful. Best of luck to your bets this week, this weekend for the Wyndham Championship for UFC. Um, these episodes are probably going to come out on Tuesday for the time being. Once NFL starts, they're going to definitely be out on Monday so I can talk Monday Night Football. But regardless, if it's Monday or Tuesday, I will talk to you all next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.